Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. The first brand you remember as a young girl making an impact on you. Lucky Charms. General Mills would be happy to hear that. Yes, and Lucky Charms because I loved this idea that every spoon would be a different surprise. Sometimes it would be two marshmallows, sometimes it would be one, sometimes it would be none. So I loved the surprise factor of every bite. Well, you carry that forward to this day. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today in the CMO podcast is Corey Marchesoto, the CMO of Elf Beauty and the president of a new brand in the Elf portfolio, Keys Soul Care, a collaboration with the talented singer-songwriter Alicia Keys. Corey has been CMO at Elf Beauty for about two years. Elf is one hot brand. Its stock price is at a 52-week high. It has grown its top line during the pandemic, while many beauty brands declined 15 to 20%. And it is one of the top brands globally among Gen Zers. Elf does about $300 million in annual revenue. She has a master's degree from the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. She has worked at LVMH. Puig, the Barcelona Fashion and Fragrance Company, and 18 years with Shiseido, the 150-year-old Japanese beauty company. Corey lives by the three C's, courage, conviction, and curiosity, and we will get into all three of them. This is my conversation with Corey Marchesoto. Corey, welcome to the CMO Podcast. You are the second guest I have had from ELF. We welcomed your chief digital officer, Ekta Chopra, just like eight weeks ago, and she was so fabulous. And I asked her what she's most proud of over the last year, and she said how fearless we have been. So I would like you to start with that. Do you agree with that? And if so, tell us what you as a leadership team did to be fearless and to introduce two new brands during COVID. So what do you think? Fearless? Is that what you would say? I think that is a great description of what we have been at Elf for sure. And I think what I'm most proud of is the happiness and optimism that we've brought to our communities. And that has been a truly exceptional journey. When we set out to wake the elf up, as I like to call it, and you're going to hear me drop a lot of elf bombs, Jim, and I'm going to ask you to join me on the elf bomb journey, okay? All right, very good. I'm all in. So when we set out to wake the elf up, it was really going back into the treasure chest, back to the founder's story, back to elf's reason for being and bringing that to the forefront. And the more time that I spent in the treasure chest, the more incredible richness I would find. And that started with our founders who had the impossible dream of creating premium quality cosmetics at $1, which everybody told them couldn't be done, and selling it over the internet, which I will remind you was in 2004, which was before iPhones and the year Facebook started. And everybody told them that couldn't be done either. So this fire in the belly in the face of no and turning a no into a yes, turning the impossible 
into the possible was what I really wanted to bring back to the forefront. And I'm incredibly proud of our ability to do that. Tell me, uh, what about the founder's story? Okay, pre-internet, they went direct to consumer, premium cosmetics for a dollar. But what else about that founding story do you think is extra special? And how have you carried that forward for the, what, 17 years since founding? So I would say it was built off an insight. They were looking for a white space and they had went into dollar stores and recognized that people could pretty much get everything for a dollar, except women couldn't get cosmetics for a dollar. So that starting point of what problem am I trying to solve? What need is not currently being filled that I can fill? What insight am I going to build? this company off of, I think has really been my starting point in, in all of the journeys that I've had. So that, that relentless focus on a consumer insight is really special. And I think the true magic sauce and then having the courage to say, okay, well, we're going to go do something that hasn't been done. And one could argue that at that time, the beauty space was ripe for disruption. It was on the same path built by legacy players who had a formula that was being repeated and repeated and repeated. And they decided to create an entire new formula. And that formula then became the roadmap for a lot of other indie brands. So they blazed this trail that said to a lot of other people who wanted to get in the space, there's another path. And that's really special. Yeah, absolutely. Well, beyond ECTA, we have another connection. Your CEO, Tarang Amin, is a longtime friend of mine. I knew him when he was way younger, back at P&G. He's had a fabulous run you know, since he left P&G. And I've heard you say in another video that he's either your best boss ever or one of your best bosses ever. <laughs> so I want you to tell us about that because the CMO... CEO relationship is so tricky and so important. So what could others learn about the relationship you have with Tarang? So I'll, I'll take you on a journey, uh, which is the first time I met Tarang. Or I, I shouldn't even say met because we didn't meet. I met him. He didn't meet me. We were at, the, at a summit, a CEO summit, and I was at a different company at a different time in my life doing lots of different things. And it was this moment of reflection for me as I was watching speaker after speaker that just felt so much like everything else I had ever seen before. And I remember sitting there looking down at my notebook and my hand was uninspired. I had taken zero notes. And these were big, powerful speakers. We're not talking, you know, like, you know, some, some rando off the street. I mean, these were big, powerful speakers that I was excited to sit and listen to. And, and as I heard one after the other, it was ego after ego, pontification after pontification, and my hand was uninspired. And then at some point, I looked down and my hand was taking copious notes and feverishly writing things down. And I looked up and it was Tarang Amin. And it was this incredible inspirational moment where he just created this orbit that I wanted to be a part of. And everything he said from the disruptive approach that Elf was taking, how he was telling that story, the humility with which he was telling it, the entrepreneurial spirit, the renegade path, all of that was coming through to me loud and clear, and I was completely captivated by it. At the end of his talk, I looked over at my boss, my direct boss, who I had known for years, and she's still an incredible mentor of mine. And I looked over at her and I said, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to go give that guy my resume. And she laughed and looked back at me and said, give him mine too. Wow. And it was just this very powerful moment. And, you know, I note to self, go find that guy and, and get to know him and, you know, introduce yourself. 
And at the end of his talk, there was a lot of people around him and, and he wound up engaging in conversation. And I said, oh, let me go grab a drink and then I'll find him later. And then years passed. The moment passed, this, this stuck in my mind, but the moment passed, I continued on my journey. And then I got a phone call from a recruiter that Elf was looking for a CMO and was I willing to engage in the conversation? And my first question was, is Tarangamin still the CEO? And the recruiter said, yes, he is. Does that help or hurt this conversation? And I said, you know, count me in. I'd love to meet him. And it's been an incredible journey. The first conversation that we had, Jim, sparks were flying. We were speaking the same language. Everything felt right. It was definitely a world I wanted to be part of, somebody I wanted to learn from. I could see the distance between us. And I knew that I had a lot of runway to learn. And that was really exciting for me. So a lot of people say what you said, the relationship between the CMO is tricky. I don't think Tarang and I have a tricky relationship. I think we have a respect for what each of us bring to the organization, a respect for the uh, differences and the diversity in perspective. And we really find the magic between how he views things, how I view things, and then how we're able to find the convergence and make the magic happen. Corey, when you talk to Tarang now that you're you know, two years into the job, you have your footing, what sorts of things do you talk about? Do you talk about culture in the company? Do you talk about new initiatives? Do you talk about your consumers? Do you, what, what sorts of topics bring you together? We talk about everything. So as you can imagine, there are a host of things that have to be true in order for a company to post eight straight quarters of growth in a down During market. COVID, by the way. During, During COVID, COVID, in yes. a down market, yep. tripling your brand portfolio, having outsized performance and, and showing up way bigger. Uh, you know, it's funny when I read articles that talk about, you know, how Elf, some, some call us a dwarf, some call it the David versus Goliath. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it takes a lot of things in order for that to be true. And so we, we talk about, obviously, the culture that we've created. Do we have the conditions necessary for the disruption to happen, for the art of the possible? Do we have the mindset inside our organization where everybody believes in the depth of their soul that anything is elfing possible? That creates the conditions under which fresh thinking, new ideas, new perspectives become possible. So we talk about that a lot. We also talk about what's coming around the bend. So one of the things that I truly believe is that time is an incredibly precious resource. And I see time like a time machine. Time machines exist and you have the power to use them. And there are three places that you can spend your time, the past, the present, and the future. And the allocation of that time is the critical decisions of leaders. And I truly believe that visionary leaders need to spend most of their time in the future. So Tarang and I talk a lot about what's coming around the bend. What are the patterns? What are the signals that we're seeing? And what are the things that we would need to do in order to lean in to the signals that are on the road ahead? And that for me is a critical component where, one, I truly enjoy because I am an innately curious person and I love to think about the what's next. I'm very much inspired by what I don't know. And in order for you to skate where the puck is going, you need to have those conversations. You need to have those brain bounces. You need to engage in those dialogues. And Tarang and I spend a lot of time 
creating the conditions necessary for the art of the possible and putting ourselves in the future so we can get the organization ready to be there before it happens. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. The timing of chatting with you is really special because within the last week or so, you launched that super creative collaboration with Chipotle, of course. And by the way, whose CEO is also a friend of Terang's, an XP engineer. And I mean, it was just brilliant. And I was uh, overwhelmed with it in terms of all my feeds. So, but for someone who hasn't, is not aware of it, who's listening, give a brief description of it. And then I want you to talk about what's this say about the culture at Health? What does this story, this collaboration say about what's so special at this company? Jim, I love that you just asked me that question because last week might have been the most exciting week of my career. Whoa. And you've and had quite a career, which I've our had, listeners I've, know. I've, I've had quite a career. This was the one that heads down the whole time like, Oh my God. And this happened 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 and this happened. And it was just this incredible moment of virality where our phones were blowing up. And, and that was, you know, everybody's boomer parents texting, like for the first time, they actually knew what we did for a living and that, you know, elf through this Chipotle lens. Uh, you know, our phones were blowing up from people we hadn't heard from in in years saying, oh, my God, I just saw Elf and Chipotle. Like you, your feed was just covered in Elf and Chipotle. And it really became a movement. And what I think is is so exciting about that is we were at the intersection. And I and I really believe magic happens at the intersection. And this intersection is the intersection between beauty and food seeing beyond the borders and boundaries of your industry and finding those points of intersection where you can get together with a like-minded, like-spirited partner that is a mirror image of yourself and set course to do something that hasn't been done before under this divine alignment of values and this fire in the belly to blaze a new trail. And that's what happened with Chipotle. The first meeting that we had with them, you know, Tressie Lieberman, who's their, their, their head of digital and I were almost in awe because as we were watching our teams connect, we were, we were mirror images of each other. It was, it was truly this exceptional moment Sorry, where I, we I were- I hate to interrupt my guests, but I have to interrupt you there. How did this meeting even happen? <laughs> I mean, who scheduled it? I mean, I mean it's that, even that is crazy. Okay, so let me let's get in the time machine. Let's get in the time machine and right. we're going to go back a year and a half, okay? We leaned into TikTok. And we basically wrote the playbook for what was possible for a brand on the platform. We leaned into this emerging platform where other beauty brands wouldn't even consider it. They were sitting on the sidelines. We're going to wait for somebody else to do it. We plunged in. So did Chipotle. And I kept reading article after article after article that was TikTok, Elf Chipotle, TikTok, Elf Chipotle, TikTok, Elf Chipotle, TikTok, Elf Chipotle. After I read probably 100 articles, I was in the shower one morning, and I swear to God, this is a real story. I was in the shower, and I screamed, oh, my God, Elf and Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> Showers do work. 
It's not an urban legend. Showers do work. It totally works. And I went to the office that day and I pulled the team together and I said, we need to meet with Chipotle. There is something here and we need to put these two brands together and figure out what we can do. So we found a contact at Chipotle. We reached out. We scheduled a meeting. And the meet, first meeting happened at their office in, in Southern California. It was right when the pandemic started to really take hold and things were shutting down. So here we are at this meeting, knowing that the world is closing down around us, that we're on to something crazy exciting. And it was a very intense moment. And I also believe disruption happens in high moments of tension and friction. And I think the pandemic and all of these conflicting moments actually contributed to the spark. And we wanted to do something really fast. So we said, okay, what's going on in the world around us, right? We're, 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 we're really into digital disruption and leaning into emerging platforms. We're both favorites among Gen Z. What's happening with Gen Z right now? How are they feeling? And what we knew was they were really upset about missing major life moments, especially their prom. So the first thing that we decided to do together was create a digital prom. You can't go to your prom, we'll bring the prom to you. And that's what I call the spark before the five, five alarm fire. And what we saw when people were hit with our two names together in one sentence, that they lost their minds. We were getting floods of consumer sentiment. Like, I would have never thought to put Elvin Chipotle in the same sentence, but oh my God, this is a collision course of my two favorite brands. And then they started throwing ideas at us. We had feeds and feeds and feeds of comments and ideas and floods of inspiration just by people hearing our two names together. So what that told us was we have to lean in further. And that's when we came up with the idea of creating a makeup collection that would be completely inspired by their menu. Now, of course, we're a vegan brand. So we took the vegan ingredients of Chipotle and we created a collection that was inspired by avocados and their their line in their restaurant, which was our beautiful shadow palette and you know a hot sauce lip gloss. And it just uh, it it broke the internet, Jim. It broke the internet. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. You know, I, I spent the winter in California and uh, with our daughter, who's a young ICU nurse, and she's super into beauty, super into food just as you say. And when she saw your collaboration, it was just like, oh yeah. It was, it's like, just natural. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what took them so long? No, it's, it's just brilliant. It's really just brilliant. So congratulations on that. Thank really you. fun. And the team at Chipotle has been an absolute dream. It has been Mutual admiration, mutual inspiration. I'm now in a clubhouse with Tressie. So, so Tressie and I, uh, you know, are, are, are besties now. And, and I couldn't be more excited by what it brought to our brands and also what it brought to our thinking and our embrace of this art of the possible. Now, uh, our listeners can tell. I can see you. They cannot. They can hear you. You're having the time of your life. And I just want to go through the last two years you've had, and I will miss most of it, but you had a major brand restage of Elf in your first six months on the job. Then the pandemic hits. You managed to grow through the pandemic, which we've already talked about, when the category's down pretty significantly. And then you add your responsibilities to president of Keys Soul Care, a new brand you've created with Alicia Keys. And, it's the, and you've moved from one brand when you joined the company to now three brands. So I want you to say a few words about how you, Corey, are a different leader than you were two years ago when you jumped to join Terang at this interesting brand. It's funny. When I hear you describe what happened in the last two years, my first response is, that's insane. <laughs> it is insane. And I'm sure I only hit like 5% of it. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I think there's something about the insane that excites me. So yes, I am having the time of my life. Yes, I feel like I am at a consistent state of peak performance. And the difference at ELF versus, you know, the, the 20 years uh, uh, before ELF, not that I didn't have a fantastic, successful career and work with amazing people. And, and, and I love my whole journey and I wouldn't trade any of it. I feel like I'm where I was meant to be. And, and I don't want that to sound like some magical, mystical thing. What I mean by that concretely is the conditions at ELF are the conditions that allow me to be at peak performance. This culture of the art of the possible, this embrace of anything is elfing possible, surrounded by people who leave their ego at the front door and collaborate to make shit happen every day. And I love that. And one of the things that for me was of critical importance when first meeting with Tarang and determining whether or not Elf would be the next chapter in my journey was culture and people first. And as I spent time with the teams, I was blown away by the consistency. Everybody I spoke to had the same view of the conditions and the culture at Elf. And it felt very much to me like the anti-corporation, which in a lot of ways it is. All of us come from big companies and we know what we want to leave behind. And what you need to leave behind in order to create the conditions for speed, for agility, for disruption. And leaving those conditions behind, Jim, is unbelievably freeing. I feel like for the first time in my career, I am operating without handcuffs. If I think about, again, turning that into something concrete, right? When I went to Tarang and said, I'm going to go do something crazy. He's like, okay, what, 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 do, you, what, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm going to lean into TikTok. What's TikTok? <laughs> now, if I go back to my previous worlds, I would have had to create 500 decks, bring those decks to 20 different stakeholders and spend somewhere between six and 12 months on a political campaign to convince people of why we needed to be on TikTok, what were going to be the KPIs, what was the business plan to support it, and so on and so on and so on. Whereas here, in one conversation, I said to Tarang, I'm going to plunge us into TikTok. He said, what's TikTok? I said, download the app. He said, what's your KPI? I said, billions of eyeballs. And he said, go do it. And in 60 seconds, I had the freedom to drive the rocket ship to a new galaxy. That was great. Uh, the lessons for others who are trying to build a culture like that. I know it's more complicated in $70 billion companies, but it's not impossible. So if I plopped you into a large conglomerate with a CEO like Tarang, what are the things you would do to learn from the culture that you're working in right now? I think that the first thing you need to do is create the mindset. What happens in the lar larger organizations that Tarang and I both came from is people, the first thing they see when they think of an idea is how hard it's going to be to bring that to life. And once you've been through it once or twice, it becomes a roadblock and a barrier. So the first thing that you have to do is have a story about the possible to show it tangibly, to get people to believe. And when I think about the onset of me walking into ELF two years ago, I was facing a large group of people who lost the fire in the belly and who lost the belief because they had just faced a difficult time. And what Tarang and I knew is we needed 
a quick headline, a quick narrative to reignite that fire. And when we kicked off our recharge campaign, the stories were all right there. And we got people to believe immediately. And once you have one story, it becomes contagious. You want more. Then we had another story. Then we had the TikTok story. Then we had, right? So then we were back to digital disruption. We were back to fierce, holy grail innovation. We were, and now everybody starts to believe because that's what you need. You need the entire organization to have a fire in the belly and the groundswell so that it raises the energy of the whole organization. So I would say that has to be the starting point. You have to show people it's real or they won't believe. You know, what's so interesting is if you talk to Chipotle about the magic behind their renewal, they would begin by telling you, we, we went to our stories. We, we unlocked the stories. If you go to General Motors, we just had Deb Wall on the podcast. I asked her, what's going on there? It's, it is a big, big brand refresh. And it's a very different culture now. She said it began with getting our narrative together and aligning and everyone on that narrative. So for our listeners, the power of your company or brand story in something that incites fire in the belly, that excites optimism and excitement and attracts people to it, all kinds of people. There's few things higher leverage than that. And I would add one piece to that equation that, that I think is critical that we did in the last 12 months is unleashing the power of purpose. And, you know, I know purpose has become a buzzword and I, you know, I, I, it's how you tell that story and where that story comes from and the authenticity and accountability of that story that matters. So the first year I was at ELF, we unleashed the brand story. And you've seen that and the resurgence and that narrative was not only relevant, but it was fresh and exciting and it still is. And I drop elf bombs all day long and people love it. And now we have this whole elfing language that everybody speaks. So that's one part. The other part is the bigger purpose. Why are we here and what good are we delivering to the world around us? And as I went into the elf treasure chest, right? First, it was unleashing the story of the founders, bringing back that renegade spirit and the art of the possible, going back into this idea of holy grail innovation and serving up things that bring people joy and optimism. The other thing I kept finding in the treasure chest was this idea that we were a bold disruptor with a kind heart. Tarang is one of the most empathetic leaders that I've ever worked for. And I just kept seeing story after story of this incredible work that we were doing for the community around us, for, you know, philanthropic efforts and, and with so much heart. But we weren't telling that story and we didn't put it in a digestible form so that people could really understand it. So we created our purpose platform, which is led by our purpose statement. And our purpose statement is ELF stands with every eye, lip, face, and paw. And that's an incredibly powerful rallying cry for people. So when things happened like the Black Lives Matter movement or civil unrest or even the recent violence against Asians, you don't wonder where we stand on this. The answer is in our purpose statement. And that purpose statement created a rallying cry that people get behind with passion and energy. And that has truly been inspiring for everybody. We talk a lot about purpose on this podcast. Could you talk, Corey, a bit more about how you came to that statement? And, and as importantly, how it became everyone's statement, not the leadership teams, and how you are unlocking the creativity of your organization to bring it to life in their daily work. So it's very similar path to how we did it for the brand. And it starts with making sure that what you're building is an illustration of what already exists. So when I think about the brand platform, for example, 
I did not take an ivory tower perspective on what I thought Elf's superpowers were. I combed what the consumers cared about. Why were they buying our brand? What did they love about us? What did they want to see from us? How were they feeling about us? And we created our superpowers based on the consumer's perception of who we were. And it was the same thing with purpose. The only difference is this is now our employees, our stakeholders, our our partners in our orbit. And that was our starting point. We asked everybody around us, what do you see special about ELF? What are the things that touch your heart? So that when people read your purpose statement, it's part of who they are. They contributed to the narrative. They're a part of the journey. And that is the most critical part to bringing a purpose to life is making sure that everybody is personally invested in that. So we had an incredible amount of stakeholder interviews. We turned those narratives into a pillar and a platform. And then I think most importantly, we continue to shine a spotlight and tell those stories as we drive that platform forward. So our purpose platform has three very distinct pillars also unearthed by our stakeholder interviews. The first pillar is all about self-expression. We encourage self-expression in every size, shape, and form. If you come to us because you want to be a minimalist, we embrace that. If you come to us and you want to express maximalist, we embrace that. And we embrace everything in between. And that encouragement of self-expression includes every gender, every skin color, every tone. And you can see that on every platform, pure self-expression. The second pillar of our platform is empowerment. And we have built an incredibly powerful platform. We have 10 million followers who come to see us every day to hear what we have to say and see what we're standing behind. So we asked ourselves, How do we use this platform we created to rise up others? And that's the empowerment pillar. And then our third pillar is embodying our ethics. And this is about making sure that we always do the right thing for our people, for the planet, and for our furry friends who we care a lot about. And that cruelty free part of our brand is one of the superpowers that our consumers told us they loved the most about our brand. So we make sure that we are bringing that to the forefront. So once you have this clear platform, you have a purpose statement, you have three pillars, it's very easy to understand, it's very clear, and then you bring the stories forward. Well, how do we encourage self-expression? How do we empower others? What are, you know, we have a collaboration with Girls Inc., We work constantly with emerging makeup artists and we allow them to use our platform. We have plenty of examples of people who came into ELF with a dream and left with that dream coming true and the power of those stories. And then on on the ethics part, if you just think about what we've done in the last 12 months, go to our website. You'll find an Elf Cares Hub where we give information and inspiration on how to deal with COVID, how to operate a company during COVID, how to care for your employees. We have a tab on our website for Black Lives Matter sharing resources and information. So we we don't keep this to ourselves, Jim. We hope that the work that we're doing inspires and encourages others too. I have a little bit of a technical question for you because this is an issue that many of our listeners struggle with. They're in multi-brand companies mm-hmm. and there's a company purpose mm-hmm. and then there are the brands who have their own purpose. You now have three brands, not just yep. one. So how do you navigate that? What's your advice on that? How did you approach that? So they can't be conflicting. And We built our portfolio strategically to ensure that underneath every brand are the same values. We are committed to inclusive, accessible, cruelty-free beauty. Those values are aligned across all of our brands. 
the expression of those values then becomes brand specific. So if I think about well people as a, for example, the superpower of well people is implant powered. So how do we bring that forward? What organizations do we support that bring forward more of the planet mindedness and more of the plant powered magic that happens there? On Keys Soul Care, we obviously have an incredible partnership with Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys is the ultimate in empowerment. So from the beginning, we, we set out to find a partner that we could support with our platform and we decided on the Happy Org. And the Happy Org is this incredible organization created by a mother and daughter uh, that rises up underprivileged children by giving them the tools that they need to live a happy and healthy life. And the third pillar of their platform is caring for the soul. So it was divine alignment with what we were doing with holistic wellness with Key Soul Care. So we, we partnered with that and we shine a spotlight there. So I don't think those things need to be at odds. Find the common ground on the values and then take the unique facets of the brand and dial those facets up and make sure that you're living your purpose. Well said. And you seem to have had a fabulous two years. Is there anything core you've struggled with over the last two years? So many things. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is balance. And I think balance is, is very elusive. And it's definitely something that um, I don't have. And I don't know. And I've never had it. So I don't know if I will find it, but I'm still looking for it. Um, as a for example, my husband um, literally had to get on my computer, go into my calendar and block a week off for us to go on vacation because he knew I wasn't going to do it. That's an elfism for your husband, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's been a year since I've had a vacation. So, uh, you know, I, that was him putting the oxygen mask on, on my face. So I would say I, I definitely struggle with balance. I'm incredibly passionate, driven, determined, motivated, and very oftentimes that drive overtakes me taking care of my own personal needs. And, and that can also be a heavy weight on, on my husband who, you know, doesn't get as much of me as he would like. So I, I would like to, on, on my next chapter, find more balance. Well, we'll do another podcast when you do that and your lessons in that. Okay, <laughs> deal? Deal, I love it. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMO succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. You are one of the strongest brands in the world. I mean, you punch way above your weight with Gen Z. And so many brands are trying to figure out how to talk to Gen Z and how to build community and affinity. What have you learned? Now, certainly many of the things you just talked about are important to Gen Z. So you're sharing a lot of the values and their approach to their life in the world. But if you could give us a few tips for brands who are trying to you know, build fans in a community with the, these emerging consumers, these are, this is behind millennials. They'll be the spending power very, very soon. The dominant mm -hmm. spending power. What have you learned? So I think the first part is you have to see past the product you're trying to sell. And people can't see me, but I'm making air quotes mm -hmm. here. Yep. So you really have to think about what is the experience that I'm going to create for you? What is this orbit that I'm going to create so that you want to be a part of it? And that has to transcend product and it has to be genuine. So when I think about Elf and how we bring joy and optimism and, and how we take the best of beauty that can be very inaccessible and we make it accessible, this is, this is incredible stuff we're doing here. So 
How do we create the universe around that? The entertainment, right? If you think about, so so I like to say, if, if, you, if you heard me on uh, the CMO Moves podcast I did, I like to say I that mar- marketing is seduction and commerce is sex. And you can't get to sex without seduction. So you have to think about this as a courtship and dating. And you can't take somebody to the movies every night. By, by the third date, fourth date, fifth date, they're going to be looking to do something different. So how do you keep the interest is by making sure you understand who are these people? What do they want from us? What are they feeling in this moment? And how do I create deep, meaningful connections? And those are really important questions. When you think about Gen Z and what we've been able to do with Gen Z, the first question we had was, well, where are they? Well, guess what? They're on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. So we damn well better be on TikTok if we want to hang out with these guys and let's go there and create a party that they want to come to. We didn't think about let's go to TikTok and sell people products. So understand the audience, go where they are, create a universe they want to be a part of. And then when they come to your party, what are you serving? Right? What, what conversation are we having? What entertainment is here? And make sure that that's all relevant to your audience so that they want to keep coming back. And what Gen Z cares about is very different than what other generations care about. So if you take things, for example, like the environment, everybody cares about the environment, but where are you on the dial? And for Gen Z, it's really high. So I would encourage everybody to think about the audiences, think about what they care about, think about where they are and what they want to hear. And make sure that you're showing up in a way that's both relevant and meaningful to that audience. And genuine to you, right? Genuine mm-hmm. to your culture and your, your, your brand. Hey, I, I just want to, before going, I, I, we could double the time of this podcast, but we can't. And I want to get to the lightning round. But I do want to ask you one question. When you came into this job, you had basically one brand. Now you have three. Could you tell us a bit how you spend your time? You're the president of... Key soul care, you're the CMO of the company. Mm-hmm. How do you choose when you look at your calendar? And you've already talked about balance being a challenge. <laughs> how do you choose where you spend your time and where do you really spend your time? Yeah. So this this the, the time question comes back to my time machine. And I think pending where you are in the organization, it's really much more about am I in the past, am I in the present, or am I in the future? And I think the higher and higher you get on the ladder, because you are the North Star, because you are the vision that people need to join you on that path, you really need to be spending your time in the future. So I think about it more in those terms than on which brand am I spending more time? Because if I'm in the future and I know where are the trends, what are the patterns, what are the emerging platforms, what, what is consumer behavior, what do people want to see? from this category on the road ahead? What are the things that are getting people out of bed in the morning? Then I can apply those learnings to each of our brands and make it relevant to each of those brands. So I think the important part is understanding where is that next galaxy that you want to go to, taking those key insights and reverse engineering them to the present so that you can then get ahead of the future. And when I think about, you know, one of the early conversations that Tarang and I had when, when I was a candidate before I became the, the, the CMO, one of the things that Tarang loved about my background was I came from multi-brand portfolios. And I would say not only did I come from a multi-brand background, but I actually thrive in a multi-brand environment. And I'll tell you why. It's so dynamic. You, this idea of when I'm with Elf, I am Elf. I think about the Elf values, the Elf narrative, the Elf language, the Elfisms, all of that. And then I go to the next meeting and it's Key Soul Care. 
and it's different adjectives. It's a different spirit. It's a different vibe. And that for me is really exciting and really dynamic to be able to put your mindset in very distinct atmospheres, environments, vibes, frequencies, and creating within that relevant framework, that dynamism is rocket fuel for me. We're going to move to the lightning round now, Corey. And the first question is your favorite Alicia Keys song. I, Girl on Fire. I mean. No question. No, it's not even, it's not even a question. <laughs> so you have said that leadership is like the Wizard of Oz. I've yes. heard this in a different article or video. Yes. You must have courage, intellect, and heart. Which one do you work on the most? I, I don't work on one. I work on all of them. And I think it is the combination of them that makes the most powerful leaders. And what I saw in my journey was I could pinpoint very clearly who was each. From which leader was I learning the power of deep relationships? From which leader was I learning the power of intellect and building everything on the back of an insight? From which leader was I learning about heart and letting the heart radiate? And I truly think that the leaders that are the most inspiring are the ones that have this incredible combination of all of those things. And that's where the real Oz lies, is recognizing that a relationship without intellect is probably going to be lacking and intellect without heart is probably going to be lacking. And all of that without courage is probably not going to get you very far. Favorite elfism? Why the elf not? <laughs> Good. All right. You came to that quickly. Uh, who inspires you the most? We already talked to Rang, so put him aside. There are so many people, and there is... One person that comes to mind for me very often who I listened to, and, and why I'm going to choose this individual who you know, and we actually talked about earlier is because he's in my life every day. He doesn't know that, but he's in my life every day. And that's Scott Galloway. And I listened to Scott and Kara, their pivot podcasts. I follow Prof G. I, you know, everywhere Scott is, I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm reading, I'm hearing, I read his books. So I would have to put him at the top of the list because he's the individual I'm most surrounded by with so many different touch points. You know, there are some people that, okay, you see once or you hear through music or he, like this one is like full 360 surround sound. And what I love about it is every time I hear him, it gives me another dimension. It makes me feel smarter or it gives me a new fire or it shows me a new path or it's a new way of thinking. So I think what Scott brings is this incredible, bold, badassery, unapologetic approach to all of the subject matter that breaks through all of the other noise around. And that truly inspires me every day. He's one of my favorites as well. And you know, when you think about your Wizard of Oz metaphor, courage for sure, intellect for sure, people probably don't give him enough credit for heart. Um, I, I reached out to him uh, two years ago, maybe to say, hey, Scott, I'm trying to figure out what I do with my small business. You're an entrepreneur. You've started things. You scaled them. Would you spend a few minutes with me? And he spent an unlimited amount of time with me, listening, counseling, talking about scenarios. Uh, so I give him a big, big high five for the cart too. I totally agree. All right. Um, you would be a political activist if you were not a CMO. Yes. What would you be an activist about right now? I would absolutely be an activist for 
education starting at the earliest age possible and giving all children equal rights to a quality education. I think the future depends on our ability to educate young kids equally. Give the, you know, level the playing field. Everybody is not starting from the same place. Level the playing field, give everybody access to equal education. We talked earlier about you don't read enough or you don't read books that much anymore. What are you taking in these days for education? We talked Scott, of course, and I'm, I'm a big fan as well and listen to him almost all the time. Uh, what else? What are you watching, listening to, reading that would be interesting for our listeners? So I, I love podcasts and I just think there's an incredible wealth that is so multi-dimensional. I'm going to pause for a second. Melinda, can you please text Tarang? He's blowing up my phone and just tell him um, I'm with his T- Tell him when you're Jim. with Jim Stengel. I'm, I'm with Jim Stengel and I'll <laughs> be there in a minute. He'll probably give me a pass. So I think there's inspiration in a very dynamic view of things. So what I love is to not surround myself with one thing, but many things. So I would start at something very fundamental, which is finding inspiration in the things that are part of the rhythm of life. I I love standing in a target aisle and watching how people shop and how they navigate the aisles. And I, I, I learn a lot there in watching how people behave. I love listening to music and I get very inspired by the power of music and especially spending time with somebody as inspiring as Alicia Keys. Her song lyrics have have been inspiring me my whole life. You know, you asked me Girl on Fire, why is it Girl on Fire? Because that's my anthem. That song gave me courage to blaze new trails. That song gave me a fire in the belly to you know, tear down walls and turn no's into yeses. Um, I get inspired by the people around me. When I see teams of passionate people who want to drive something forward, I want to pour sugar on that. I want to give it rocket fuel. I want to carry it to the next place. Um, And then, you know, where I go for stimulation is in all things I don't know. So I spent a, a lot of time working on some pretty exceptional brands in my career and very inspired by many different designers, artists, and creators. And one of them was Issey Miyake. And what Issey Miyake taught me is to really spend your time in the things you don't know. He used to say, I am only interested in the things I don't know. So I find those through podcasts, which are just an endless treasure chest of narratives and rich stories and great content. And, you know, right now I I think about NFTs. I have no idea what they are. I totally don't understand them, but God damn it, I want to go figure it out. So I'm going to go spend time on that. Um, So I would say those, those are the things, but I think the key part of the advice is don't get too lost in having, you know, to go way out here. Sometimes the inspiration is right in front of you in the rhythm of daily life. In a target aisle. Hey, I know you're running, uh, (laughs) You're running late for a meeting with Tarang, and I see in my text that he says hello to both of us, that he's waiting for you to join his meeting. So I want you to tell him I'm very proud of him. He's very inspiring, and, and I, I love how you two are working together. It's a role model for many, many others, CMOs and CEOs. And I'll give you a I know we don't have any time, but do you have any quick question for me before we sign off? So what I would love to know from you is what keeps you going every day? What inspires you to do the hard job of running a small business? People like yourself. And I'm not just being, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sincere. Uh, I, I, I love doing this podcast because how I enter the life of people like you. And every guest I've had, without exception, has been special and inspiring in some way. And I put those lessons to work in my own life. So imagine that. I'm, I'm interviewing four people this week. And I, it, it's just such enrichment and such inspiration. And it's made me a, a better 
consultant, a better thought leader, a better writer, a better human being. So, uh, so that's, I'm inspired in the simple things, which are conversations with people like yourself. So I have a request. Go for it. I would love to spend more time with you, Jim. Same here. So let's talk offline about that. I love it. All right. Thanks so much, Corey. This has been absolutely wonderful. That was my conversation with Corey Marchesoto. This was a rich one. It was hard to pick the top three takeaways, but here they are. First, this was a masterclass in brand purpose. Corey spoke about the importance of your purpose, stating it, the pillars that support it, the activation that goes around it, the power of a corporate purpose linked to the brand's purpose, a masterclass in purpose. And this is a brand that is growing really, really, really fast. Second takeaway, the magic in partnerships. The partnership that Elf has just done with Chipotle is trending like crazy. It's building both brands. Magic happens at the intersection of beauty and food. The lesson in that is look for interesting, creative partnerships that amplify your brand and your brand's purpose. Third takeaway, how do you build a brand among Gen Z? First of all, you have to see beyond your product functional benefits. You have to be a brand that they want to be a part of, and you have to go where Gen Zers are. This brand, Elf, has been an innovator and a pioneer with TikTok. That is one reason they are a top brand among Gen Z. They are where Gen Z wants to be, and they stand for the kinds of values that many Gen Zers are trying to live in their daily lives. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.